Hello and welcome back to another episode of Let's Check In. I'm your host Levine, a soon-to-be trainee clinical psychologist in September and this podcast is all about my journey to and through the doctorate. I'll also be talking about mental health, psychology and general life. So today we're actually going to be checking in with um, my friend Elizabeth um, and we're going to be talking about being black in this space. So being black in the field of psychology, what that means to us, our experiences, also talk a bit about like Black Lives Matter and just everything really to do with, yeah, how we feel about um, the things that have been going on recently. So Elizabeth, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, I'm Elizabeth and I am a psychological wellbeing practitioner and I've just recently qualified. So I qualified in July, I believe. So I'm quite new to the role as a PWP yeah. and I have been in the, I did psychology as a degree um, and that was four years ago. And I have been in the world of psychology since, I guess, 2016. Yeah, wow. How do you feel to know that you're, like, finished now? You're officially qualified as a PWP? It's great. It is great. And I do feel like, <laughs> kind of, when you're studying and when you're doing a course, it feels like you know, you're never going to make it. And then to have made mm. it, you're just like, there's not, so, there's not so, so, so much a sense of relief, but just a sense of what next? Well, that's how I feel yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, but I am so grateful to have, past the course because it wasn't easy at times it was definitely a nerve-wracking mm-hmm. course <laughs> yeah I can imagine especially trying to because you finished it up basically during this pandemic so yeah. I guess it must have been like different as well to kind of do all your tapes and stuff get those all done and everything and like how did you do those as well like how did you record tapes luckily I think we cause I had to retake so I had to, one of one, I had to retake my audio because I failed the audio so but uh, luckily what happened was I had some pre-recorded before we went into lockdown ah uh, okay that's good that's good yeah I think what they're now doing is that you have to record it I know some of the new trainees they're recording it either from from home so putting it on a loudspeaker and then just mm-hmm. recording it and using the phone to record it okay yeah it's just yeah yeah work around yeah, that it. works out yeah mm. yeah you literally just have to be innovative with it but um yeah so me and Elizabeth actually met the same way how I met Poppy <laughs> so I think it was episode seven um I spoke about uh, me and Poppy meeting in South Africa but we were all so all three of us and others were volunteering out there um, and that's how I met Elizabeth and yeah and we kind of we didn't at the time we didn't know too much like I didn't I don't think I even knew that you did psychology until like no. later on until we was actually yeah no. it didn't come up and then we started talking like oh we, we are actually into similar things and she went to the university that I was going to go to for the night oh were you going to go to that yeah I was going to go but I didn't get in because <laughs> I felt biology <laughs> so I had to go through clearing so um I was like oh wow you, you go to I won't say the name and then I was like oh um, I was meant to go there um but yeah so me and Elizabeth are kind of like we've had similar paths actually as mm. well like with um IAT as well um and obviously we're both black um and we've the reason why I wanted to talk to Elizabeth um today about this topic in particular is because um we've both had our own experiences um you know very everyone has their own experience it doesn't matter who you are where you you come from whatever but I think something that does kind of there's a common denominator I guess sometimes when you are black in a space like psychology um where I'm speaking personally I didn't really Mm. see anyone who was um like a psychologist or anyone senior in like the field until much much later on um would you say yeah that's the same for you 
definitely. Even now, I don't see many black people in the field, even in the PWP world, literally. I think in my service, there might be three people that are of colour. I mean, five in Really? Of yeah. colour? Yeah, maybe five oh, in total. Wow. But I'm based, bear in mind, I am based in Kent, so that kind of makes it mm. a bit skewed. But I think there might be about yeah. five or six, maybe a bit six, maybe six, pushing six, who are of colour, so that's of the BAME um, background. But no, you mm. really don't see. I haven't, I think I've only met one black psychologist in my lifespan. Wow, okay. See, I'm quite fortunate in that regard because um, through, like a family friend of ours mm. is a psychologist, okay. but she's an educational psychologist. Um, so that was the first black psychologist that I ever met. Uh, and it was through her that I kind of learned a bit more about psychology as well. So she did help out. Um, but even, regard, and that was actually, I only met her when I was like in second year of uni. So mm. even then it was really quite late in the game. Um, but yeah, so I really wanted to speak to Elizabeth about this. And so today's just more of a conversation, honestly. We just kind of wanted to share our experiences, talk a bit more about like what it feels like. Even, yeah, we'll get onto this, but even the whole um, Black Lives Matter reemergence again and how that feels. Um, being in, in a space where it's really hard, where um, trauma is spoken about, but not necessarily from the sense of race Mm. um people understand like sexual assault they understand like people who are veterans and you know they understand PTSD in that Mm. kind of context and stuff but when talking about racial trauma sometimes that's a bit harder to navigate so there's other things but what I wanted to start with or maybe kind of just gain your opinion on is first of all we kind of spoke about the fact that we don't really see that much diversity in um the space so what was it that made you want to go into psychology if you never really saw someone that looked like you in this in the field? You know, I guess I guess my passion from psychology literally developed from reading a book called It. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, the one about like the clown, the the with the balloon. No, 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 no. Is no. that the film? No, sorry, that's the wrong one. Sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah, no. A boy, I think it's called a boy called It. No, oh, a boy called It. Yeah. It's this, it's about this boy who is basically like physically neglected and and yeah I know what you're talking about now yeah <laughs> yeah yeah by his mum and I think I must have read it mm-hmm. when I was thirteen and fourteen and I just felt such passion such and compassion for this little boy who was basically mm-hmm. just being completely abused by his mother and I thought actually thinking about I thought this this child is going to grow up as an adult when he becomes an adult mm-hmm. what is going to become of him. And that's when my passion for psychology started developing, knowing that actually there are things that we can do. Specifically, yeah. for child psychology, I thought I would go into child psychology, but as we all Same, know, so did I. <laughs> as we all know, it's really hard to get into psychology. Yeah, yeah that was just. Psychology. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I left that right. <laughs> um, and I think also, and I don't know, it just kind of developed from there. So I wasn't, I don't think I don't think at that moment I had an idea of what a psychology was a psychologist was, but I just knew I had a passion to help people, and I thought my way of helping people would be more based around the mental health aspect and more about their processing of how they process their trauma and their life experiences, and that's what kind of led me into psychology. So it wasn't a particular person, and I don't think my passion for psychology was. Motiva- motivated by any particular person because I didn't like you said I hadn't met any psychologists um, yeah it was more just for this sense of I can help people or I can help people process mm. the trauma I can help people process their life experience and that's what kind of got me into psychology and I think that's what's kind of mm. made me stay in psychology yeah 
that's a key point yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's uh it's not the easiest field to be in but yeah you have to have like a genuine want to be here to to stay here um yeah I completely understand and I think I was thinking about this as well would it have even made a difference I was just thinking if I had seen someone who was a psychologist or who was in the field when I was younger and honestly I don't know I don't even know I think it would have been um, maybe helpful to know that oh yeah no this is definitely something Mm. people like you do Um, it's not something that is just like white middle class people do and you know you sit there and you kind of just analyze people or whatever and seeing it done in a more practical um, on the ground way I think that Mm. might have been helpful but I don't know if it would have maybe encouraged me more or less I don't know but either way I still think representation is very important um it doesn't matter what stage I just think it is it's it's nice to see someone that looks like you regardless of whether you choose to go down that field or or not um yeah no I do think so but um I was going to say as well so when you were speaking about um like you knew you wanted to do like mental health um Mm. what was the so again I don't know if you want to share like your background or anything or Mm. like I'll share like I think I said before I'm from a Jamaican background Mm. so um like I'm I never know if is it third generation if you are if you're the so my grandparents moved Mm -hmm. here I don't know what that means for me am I third generation or second generation I never know like what that means I guess it may be third generation in the sense of you're born second generation in the sense of you're born here yeah I was the second generation to be born here yeah Yeah. okay so yeah so I'm second generation um and like even we understand that within like certain cultures especially like from BAME cultures Mm -hmm. there is kind of like maybe this stigma or this misunderstanding of what mental health means and stuff um and I don't know what it was like for you kind of when you said oh I don't know to your parents or to like whoever around you oh yeah I want to go and work into uh, mental health or this is the field I want to go into what was that like what was the feedback you received from people um, so I'm of Nigerian, so I am Nigerian, and I was born in Nigeria, and I spent most of my childhood in this country, so not in Nigeria, so I, I studied, and I, um, yeah, I think I came when I, came when I was age six, so I, there was some aspects. Really huh? You was really young, so you basically yeah. kind of only knew here, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Um, so in terms of, I think when I told my mum that I'm going to uni, I, I'm the first generation also to go to uni in my household. So I'm the first mm. one in my household to go to university. So my mum okay. was really pleased for that. Um, in terms of psychology, I don't think she really had an idea of what, you know, what I would be doing. But I think it was more about focus on my child is going to university. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I think coming out of coming coming out of um, uni and then saying to people, I work in a mental health hospital. Or I work in this, or I work in that, and if they're from um, of Nigerian background, they often say, "Oh, you work with quote crazy people." Yeah, quote, yeah. You know, is that is it not is it not dangerous? Or yeah, you know, why would course, you yeah. do that? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, I've heard that one definitely. In the culture, there's this in my culture, there's this aspect that having a mental health, having a mental health difficulty means that there's something abnormally wrong with you. Mm-hmm. it means that you're not um often the word that we often use in my culture is mad people or crazy people um mm-hmm. so there's always that sense of otherness and mental health is never recognized as something that's something something that everyone goes through mental yeah, health is for yeah. a specific group of people it's not for mm-hmm. everyone 
yeah no I completely kind of mm. um can agree with that and I think I am quite fortunate in the sense that in my own immediate household that was never really a discussion it was very much like oh yeah that's great you go ahead and do that and mm. I think it's a bit unique because um like I said I'm second generation so my mum was born here as well so I guess maybe acclimatizing to western or like I wouldn't even say west or like just British yeah. kind of um ways of living kind of meant that she was already kind of aware of that and she trained as a social worker so she was a bit yeah. aware, like it wasn't like foreign but outside of that <laughs> um other people who I've come across from like my background as well have said exactly the same sort of mm. things like oh aren't you scared like isn't it dangerous yeah. or, you know that same idea of like someone's going to just randomly attack you because they're unwell but you know when people have their own like bad days we don't ever think oh you're going to attack me it's just yeah. it's a weird disconnect um so yeah I yeah I've had that same thing but I think what really did help like I said is the fact that within my own immediate family that was never really um seen as a bad thing it was seen as something that makes sense like there was never really that much of a stigma um which I know that's one thing I can say I'm actually really fortunate um about because that's never been an issue for me personally um but I know it is definitely for a lot of people but yeah no I think it does make a difference if you if you don't have people around you that support you and encourage you to kind of pursue these things then it kind of feels a bit like why why are you doing it if no Mm. one sees the value in what you're doing um so yeah and I kind of leading on (laughs) from that um I wanted to talk about then like how it then feels as well because um to be in this space and understanding how people kind of especially from like our cultures where sometimes it's kind of dismissed and stuff um how it feels when you are you personally are kind of like trying to look after your own well-being and your own um self-care and kind of trying to make sure that you are okay to help other people how does that kind of play into it like have you kind of come across any experiences maybe with your family or friends whatever who've kind of not necessarily understand that we also need to look after ourselves in order to help other people not so much um Mm. I think especially I think within the maybe within Nigerian culture I think this aspect of self-care it's not really much it's not there Mm, okay <laughs> um and maybe even in the same and maybe in the BAME communities it's kind of that sense of just get on with it yeah you know just keep going that's all you have to do just keep yeah. going yeah um I think it's kind of like what would happen if you'd stopped yeah that's the scary question no one wants to answer so they just keep going yeah yeah I think for me how mm-hmm. I have to relax my own self-care I think it's mostly true I think actually social media has been really good in terms of just giving really okay yeah like little tips and such as you know just take the time out for yourself or go, go oh, out right, yeah, walk yeah, for those yeah. walks or spend time with family and friends these aren't things that mm-hmm. in my you know in my culture we don't you know it, it wasn't spoken of in my family in my household looking after I'm not quite sure mm-hmm. what in my household I don't know. The sense of looking after ourselves was just make sure you have your basic needs and you go to job and you go yeah. to job and that's yeah. what it meant to look after yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. even now having that conversation with my mum when I tell my mum I'm going on holiday, why do you need to go on holiday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you know what? Have you right. <laughs> or what have we got to be stressed about? <laughs> yeah, is that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's so funny because it's actually true but then if you compare it to maybe their experiences like what was a holiday like you just keep going like there's no we just need to break for no it's actually really funny it's true 
Um, and also, it reminded me, like, because um, I don't know, do you know who Evelyn from the Internet is? No, no, I don't. Okay, so there's this YouTuber um, called Evelyn, and she's like Kenyan, I think she is. And she just made it, I think this was back in, oh, I'm going to get the date wrong, but this was when Philandric is, I think it was one time Philandric is still was murdered mm. um and she made a video about calling in black um and it literally was the most the the first time I felt like I've been seen properly like I could literally have someone explain how I felt mm. um and like the whole idea of like self-care and looking after yourself yeah like people say things like you know go for a walk go for whatever but when these things happen like kind of linking it back to like black lives matter and mm. the horribleness that's been going on sometimes it feels like you can't call in sick because you're not actually sick. Yeah. Um. You want to take like a mental health day, but like it's not really that there's anything specifically going on. But it's because you're seeing people who look like you mm. murdered on TV, on Facebook Live, on Instagram. Like you're seeing these things consistently. Um. And she made the video about like calling in black, and she was like, "Some days I just want to call and say I feel like I'm grieving, and I don't know why because I don't know these people, mm. and I really just need a day." And I was remembering it because, especially when Philandra Castile, I don't know why that one specifically impacted me, but I remember after that, I was just like, no one really knows. I still have to go up, get up and yeah. go to work tomorrow and like carry on is like exactly what we were saying. You just keep going. What do you need a yeah. break for? You know, you, you don't know them. They're not, they're not your yeah. family. They're not your friends. Um, and I think that's another thing like that is, that's another layer. Like not only are you working in a field where you have to be so giving, um, you have to have empathy for others mm. and you have to sit with other people's emotions as well but you also have to learn to sit with yours even when mm. things are horrible yeah. <laughs> but you know terrible I mean, so that, that mm. was really good but yeah I'll send it to you anyway but yeah go on what was you gonna say yeah, I was just gonna say that on this notion of calling in black makes so much sense because I remember so I remember one of my work colleagues was telling me about how the, this was during the peak of the Black Lives Matter this was during the peak of George Floyd um, mm. And she had this client, and this client was making comments to her, towards her, saying about um, it was kind of like a racist undertone. It wasn't racist. Mm. It wasn't you, you know. It wasn't covertly racist. It was kind of like yeah. making 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 comments such as I don't know what all this Black Lives Matter is all about. I don't know what these guys want. Mm. So you know when they say they, you know. Yeah, yeah, instantly. <laughs> um, my work colleague, she's also black. She is got. Um, she's also. I think she grew up in the oh, She doesn't mind me show, but she also grew up. I, th- I believe she. Um, she grew up in American America. Oh she wow! Okay. Layer of growing up in the states, and then and she she had to work with this client. She still had to call this client and work with yeah. him. And then she brought yeah. it. She brought up the issue with a manager and discussed it with a manager or line manager. And the line manager said, oh, what do you mean? What, what do you mean, Black Lives Matter? I don't know what's going on in the, in the news. Who is just... What? Uh, who is George Floyd? Who is this? I'm so sorry, I don't know who this Are is. Are you serious? <laughs> this was in this day and age. This yeah. isn't like... Yeah, yeah. What? So how can we call him black when those, yeah. how those no women are looking after us are completely yeah. not in... They, they don't, I don't know if there's not a sense of they don't care, but just a lack of awareness. It's just yeah. not the world. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so hard. That's the thing. Like when you don't feel supported in things like that, that shouldn't, that's not okay. If, if for example, she was any other kind of minority group, like say she had a disability or mm. 
say she was LGBT or anything else and she was receiving comments that were having that kind of undertone that would have been addressed straight away and that's the thing it's like why don't why do people where is this disconnect Mm. like why is it that and it's not always that those things are always addressed but why is it like why do we have to fight so hard to be heard and to be understood that's the thing that really kind of it's frustrating because then in the end you just feel like I'm not going to say anything but then the problem is, is then that heaviness that you feel again, like feeling like you want to call in black. I just, mm. I need a day. I just need a day. I don't yeah. want to deal with this today. I don't want to have to explain myself or kind of articulate why this is a problem. But like with that situation, what what was this? Did did you, she have to carry on working with it? Like, how did it end? Um, I believe what happened was it was then. Um, I think they were tra- it was transfer and um, transferred to a platform called Silver Cloud. Um, so it's basically okay, yeah. online kind of working mm-hmm. with him so she still had to work with, with him but on um not via the telephone yeah okay well silver cloud you can still leave little notes and comments yeah, yeah, so you should, i don't know <laughs> but it's not, it's <laughs> be like, i don't know what they're talking about <laughs> yeah. yeah but i do feel it it does limit and and that's the thing i think there's so many layers um to it to it it's mm. like yeah you can't just first of all being a woman in a position where you like where you is a uh, to be honest if we're going to be like real it's like 90 I think it's like 97 percent female in the um field yeah um and so like as a woman you kind of feel like okay yeah this is I feel like I'm in the majority here but then the the moment you start adding on some different kind of um, labels okay Mm. so you're black okay that drops (laughs) that drops way down then you add on like a, a religious um statement like whether you're christian Muslim, whatever that drops again then so it's like trying to find someone that understands or trying to articulate yourself without coming across as any of the stereotypes is really hard yeah um and it's a it's a fine line to balance um yeah literally that video it just summed it all up every time i speak about like this issue i always say oh people should watch that because it kind of explains like how it feels um and even kind of leading on to that as well sometimes I think so you know when we saw the whole like Black Lives Matter kind of re-emerge again and then people were like doing the Blackout Tuesdays and like kind of posting things how did you okay I'll talk about how I felt about it in a minute but like how did you feel about seeing all of that did it feel different from last time like when Trayvon Martin died and things did things feel different I think it felt it felt different because I felt like there was more voices Mm-hmm. but I think we, I think I was also aware that it was going to be limited it's going to be short sh- short-lived it's not going to be something mm-hmm. that's long-lasting mm-hmm. um because I think people like to pretend that they care yeah, yeah. and then go back to their normal lives blackout mm-hmm. blackout so why do you I, think that is though I mean I always say to my friends that it's it's really hard when it's not in your world I am yeah. not from the LGBT community. So mm. I know that their struggles will be completely different to my struggles. And I might not be as passionate for their struggles because it's not my everyday life. It's not my yeah. lived experience. You haven't lived it, yeah. It's different when it's your lived experience, when it's when it's affecting you on a day-to-day basis. But when it's not, you can keep yourself in that little safe bubble or it's not my problem or I feel really bad for them. I hope something get something happens, but it's not my problem. Yeah, hmm. yeah. And then I can go. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, um, the bystander effect. Yeah, like yeah. People, oh, someone else will come and sort it out. 
that's literally how I feel I've been trying to think of tracking my brain before because I was like obviously this is still a psychology podcast but I was trying to think of like some things that kind of you know psychologically that you yeah. could use to explain it but I really do feel like the bystander effect really does make a um a good way or like a good framework of like understanding this because I think everyone's like oh someone else will kind of go to the protest yeah. or someone else will sign that petition or someone else will speak up or someone else will vote or someone else mm. and the thing is eventually no one does it and then the problem is is that we see the after effects of this yeah. oh someone will speak to them about that someone will correct them I don't need to be the one it's uncomfortable in this situation I don't want to have to say that's what you said isn't okay someone else mm. will pull them up on it and then this is the kind of aftermath of it um and it is tiring it is so like with you I did feel okay maybe this is different um but then obviously as time went on people dropped off and it felt like okay this was probably very performative and then I even struggled with myself because I don't post blackout Tuesday anyone who knows me like personally knows that this is something I'm super passionate about but like publicly I'm not necessarily the most vocal um and yeah it's weird isn't it because then you feel I felt me I felt guilty like should I be posting yeah should I be like saying all these things but people who know me know this is really a a big issue for me and it's something that's really personal but yet should I be because then again is it is that performative then Mm. am I just doing it so people know that I kind of so it was a weird it's a very odd thing um so I feel like I kind of felt like that after it kind of dropped off I felt like people felt pressured into posting and like commenting on it when really they didn't they didn't have that true understanding of what it really was about so that's why I'm I'm kind of like in two minds about yeah posting and like educating people is great but if it isn't like a long-lasting or um, an impactful message that kind of transcends that short period of time then it's pointless to be honest like it's just one post um but yeah I just feel like that was really was so weird and then even going to the protest I was like should I go because obviously now it's COVID yes and it's like (laughs) (laughs) what do I want to (laughs) do it's so like hard and then you feel like if you don't go are you represent are you letting down like your whole race (laughs) like not representing (laughs) yeah yeah exactly it's just a really weird um thing and then again another kind of um analogy I thought of is you know the helpless um learnt helplessness mm-hmm. kind of yeah. um task. so um you know so basically anyone who doesn't know it it's like there's this experiment that they did I don't know I say they because I don't know who they are but <laughs> there was an experiment done a- who was it I think it was Sledgeman or something of oh see coming with the facts <laughs> I don't know <laughs> well I know there's a dog okay so yeah there was this experiment they did um whoever they are and then it was like an electric floor and then on one half of the floor it was electric it was electrified and the other half it wasn't and they got a fence down the middle and they got this dog to sit on the side that wasn't electrocuted and then um no sorry sit on the side that was electrocuted and then they would like put on the electric and then the dog would jump over the fence obviously to the side where it wasn't and this would happen on and off and on and off on and off eventually they made the whole floor electrified um and then so it doesn't matter wherever the dog went he was still getting electrocuted um and eventually the dog just sat down and just took the electric Mm -hmm. shots because it's like where can I go there's wherever I go I'm going to get shot and I was thinking like that's literally like sometimes how it feels it's like you fight and then it seems okay for a bit so you're like okay cool 
So you go back and then you're like, all right, let's let's have these conversations. If someone says something, you're like, oh, okay, having to fight again. And then eventually it just feels like everything is just electrified. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you go, who you speak to, it's the same. So you just sit down and you're like, I just, I just, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I just let, let this happen. And that's where that kind of... um passivity happened and that's something I'm really cautious of not becoming like not feeling um despondent so to the point where I just don't like say anything anymore but it can feel like that mm-hmm. um and I guess the whole thing with the protests and like posting and feeling like I had to have a voice but then also feeling guilty because I feel really tired and I just want to call it black and just having yeah. my space it was it was a lot um and knowing how to articulate that to people as well it, it feels kind of that in itself is problematic because it's draining yes. so it's a lot yeah, <laughs> basically what I'm saying is it's a lot um and so I guess my question to you is and how have you because it seems like we've had kind of similar experiences especially throughout lockdown and things how have you then kind of taken all of these things and yet still kind of I'm hoping still be hopeful still kind of motivate yourself to kind of still care about these issues and not again like the helpless dog thing just sit in them and take it sort of thing how have you kind of been able to navigate that I don't know if I have I think I think especially mm. during the peak of the George Floyd I think there was that, that sense of just being quite despondent feeling quite drained mm. feeling quite just tired and exhausted and just yeah just completely exhausted um mm. I, just, I don't know if I have actually dealt with it because I just feel like I'm so tired of seeing black people being killed I'm so tired of feeling mm-hmm. so this sense of otherness this sense of you don't belong and no matter what yeah. you, do, you don't belong um and I just think at this moment I'm just what I do now is I just don't watch the videos sounds awful mm-hmm. I don't read the captions I don't I'm no. a bit more aware yeah. of what I'm just pro- taking in yeah. um so I, I think I'm trying to I'm avoiding it I think there's a sense of avoidance at the moment because I yeah. think especially at the, mm-hmm. since from the George Floyd, I just felt actually there's only so much I can take. And I felt yeah. when the George Floyd incident happened, I was always on social media and I was reading all these different comments and it just completely, completely just had an impact on my mental well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I just kind of avoid those kind of comments and those kind of conversations. Um, mm-hmm. What I, I mean, what am I doing now? So maybe... I don't really know. So I mean, as a Christian, so um, I identify my 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 identity as a Christian. That's what I mean. That's what I identify. That's one of my identity. Well, that's one of my identities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get you. I get you. <laughs> what helps me during that time was just praying. Um, so mm. praying to God and speaking to God was really helpful. Um, taking walks. I found. I think in like in resp- um, thinking about it now in hindsight, I didn't realize how beneficial it was for me just to get out, especially during lockdown, just yeah. to get out and just get oh, out the yeah. house and just walk and just think yeah. and think about what you're thinking and process that. Um, mm. But also, so I just came back from Cornwall, literally. Oh, nice! And that sense of otherness, especially yesterday, we that was very much felt. That was very much. Oh, we really? Stared at. There were, you know, there was just that sense of that subtle rudeness, that mm. subtule, you know, that sense of is it me? <laughs> and that we always get yeah, yeah. is it me? Yeah, <laughs> or am I just making it up? <laughs> so much. Yeah. But I think, mm. and that was quite a that was a difficult experience, especially because, um, you know, that's not what my everyday life is. I don't always, I'm not always mm. stared at. I'm not always looked at, looked at, um, because of my skin color. Wow. Um, you know, 
Sorry, I was just saying, because Cornwall's not even that far away from where we are. Like, it's not a different country. No. It's, like, a couple hours away. No. That's so weird. You can literally feel the gravity of that just by driving or kind of travelling a few hours away. Yeah, That's definitely. crazy. Um, and I have to say, not all of Cornwall, just some, like, it was just, mm. I think we went to a town yesterday and that town was just not very nice. Um, but I think mm. what, what helped us get through that experience, because I went with a friend, was just the fact that, I guess I'm grateful in the sense that it was the older generation that was staring at us. It was the older generation mm-hmm. that might have been looking at us in a weird way or that would made comments that made you question yourself. I'm grateful mm-hmm. that those younger people that we saw did not look at us because it gives me hope in the sense that actually maybe in 20 years' time, things will change. Because in 20 years' time, the older generation mm-hmm. <laughs> might not be... <laughs> <laughs> it's true it is true um I'm glad that I didn't get it from young people basically because I then I know that that mentality is maybe it's just more of that those older generations mentality and that maybe hasn't been passed down to the younger generation but I know there is different dynamics that happens I know racism isn't just based on someone's age and just because you're old doesn't mean you're going to be racist and then there's a lot more there's a lot more to racism yeah Yeah. um but maybe the hope is that actually Within a young generation, there is conversations and that younger generations are aware of actually people, just because you look different doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Just because you're black doesn't mean mm. you're going to adhere to a certain stereotype. So maybe that's what's, maybe yeah. in some sense, that's something to be hopeful for. Um, but at the moment, I guess maybe just, it take uh, for me, for me, it's just taking each day as it comes and just doing what I can, what I can do for my own mental well-being. And yeah. you know, avoiding what would impact my mental health being and doing things that will, you know, that will, you know, improve my mental well being. Yeah. No, I was, even when you're saying that, I was thinking we could even talk about traveling while being black. Oh, that's yeah. a whole. That's another story. Another thing. <laughs> that's a whole another episode. Oh my gosh, the story. Like, so we, me and Elizabeth have traveled together as well. Yeah. But I, enough, I've never really, when I've traveled with you, I've never really felt anything in that way. But even the fact, like, before you even go, you have to think, okay, is this yeah. country racist? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, like, what's going to happen when I get here? Is it yeah. safe for me? Like, this is a whole, like, another type Layer. of thinking that, or, mm. like, exactly, that goes into it that I think other people don't necessarily have to think of. But, yeah, I think <laughs> that's what, the whole thing. Yeah, I think what, I think for me, I think, especially being in Cornwall, there was a sense of, in order to be black and live in Cornwall, there has to be a sense of re- resilience. I couldn't mm. do it. I'm, I, I don't think I would. I'm not that resilient. But I think in order mm. to be black and live in a place where you're that sense of, maybe you're the only black person in town, there you need to be resilient. Because you, you, just, you yeah. just have to de- develop a thick skin. I, I wonder think. what that looks like. Huh? I can't I wonder what that would look like. I would really want to speak to someone who was like the only black person in their town or village, whatever, and just ask them, how does that feel? Mm. Like, what does that feel like when you, even little things like, not being able to go to the shop and get implanted or like <laughs> your seasons aren't there <laughs> like little things like that like how does that feel <laughs> what does that feel like it's just it's just and what does your idea of blackness like what does that do to your idea of blackness yeah. and obviously black people aren't a monolith but then how do you then interpret what it means to be black does it is that does that get shaped through the lens of the community you're living in mm-hmm. like it's just so many various factors but um yeah I just think it's it's very interesting talking about these things and then also relating it to the fact that we work in a space that is just very compassionate, very like understanding of people. Well, trying <laughs> to be understanding and to be understanding of people, but then at the same time, 
we still face those things um so it is I will say though like um so the course I'm about to start was really really good um so when we first kind of had like an induction sort of thing um they spoke literally I think it was probably the first thing they mentioned it was like a, a course induction with everyone on the course on the zoom call and one of the first things they were like we are committed to being anti-racist you know we are very much about black lives matter like very mm-hmm. clear definite statements which I really appreciated um one of the course leaders like specifically said to me because I'm going to be training in um well I'm going to be starting training at, at Salomon's mm-hmm. and so the area catchment area is quite wide so yeah. sometimes it is quite rural areas and she said to me like Levine <laughs> I'm going to be honest like there are really rural kind of areas that maybe trainees might ask to go to and placement but if you don't feel comfortable because you feel like you know it might feel um foreign to you in the sense of like you feel um isolated or whatever just speak to us like it's okay you like we we want to hear from you and I think that was really reassuring to know that people actually considered the fact that it might not feel comfortable for me to be in like an all-white space or to be in a space where there's not that much diversity so that's amazing I will say that that yeah that Mm. was and they gave us a reading list of lots of like anti-racist material and like you know why I'm no longer talking to white people is like the first one on there and I was like great because I've got that and I've read it um but yeah it just feels that's what keeps me hopeful I guess about the face of psychology and what that looks like Mm. moving forward um so yeah I mean I I feel like we could (laughs) we literally could talk about so many other things um but yeah to end the kind of conversation I would just say anyone who's listening to this and identifies as being from like a BAME background or a minority group in whatever way actually specifically if you are black as well um don't lose heart (laughs) like don't Mm -hmm. lose heart and think that this is just a field that isn't for you um there's so many people that are in this and that are doing it and are literally trying to show that it is a feasible career path um and the thing is it's like being in these spaces it means that you have the opportunity to then influence it from internally rather than externally. Mm. So we need you. <laughs> so don't get put off. Don't don't think, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. Please, please apply. It doesn't matter. Like not just being black as well. Obviously, being black because I'm black. But um, like if you're from any minority group, if you really want to see a difference, um, obviously it starts within, and it starts within the structures. We have to kind of dismantle those things internally. Um, and it really does help when there's people who can vouch and voice their opinions um, not on behalf of everyone because you know we're not spokespeople but it does help if you're there so that's my little encouragement of yeah. the week just to add to that I just always say like you literally just you're paving the way you're paving the way for the yeah. opportunity come so it's difficult now and I'm sure you know Levine how difficult it is to get on the course but you know that you're paving yeah. the way for those to come before behind you that you are making you will be making a difference no matter what to your client and group and to those who are seniors role models just to, to just keep going really yeah yeah that is literally like a a cool thing for me um that's what keeps me kind of thinking yeah gotta keep doing this mm-hmm. if it's not for me it's for someone else yeah. so um <laughs> yeah thank you so much Elizabeth for coming speaking to me honestly like we could have had a talk about something else because yeah. <laughs> there are so many things <laughs> Um, but yeah I really do appreciate you coming and having a chat Um, last thing I always forget to do can you please everyone if you're on Instagram go follow the page it's let's check in pod 
um if you're listening to this on well wherever you listen to this please press subscribe listen go back to other episodes you know you can go check those ones out but yeah um thank you all for tuning in and we'll check in again